Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. And I'm Jason Maletsky. <laughs> Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Yep. If you guys want to find us on the wider internet, our handle on all the places is trustthejourney.today. That is our website as well. Find us on Instagram. Find us on... God, where else are we? So many places. YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. Spotify. Spotify. SoundCloud. iTunes. Yeah. All those places. Like, subscribe, share. That helps us reach more people. And certainly share directly the, the episodes that you think will help someone else specifically. If you want to join us in the Trust the Journey family, please do. That is where we come together in a more intimate way. It's a private Facebook group where you buy in on the Patreon, support us in any amount, and we'll get you into that group. And we would love to have you. So yeah, go to trustthejourney.today, scroll down, and any amount will get you in. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon supporters. Without your support, this show truly couldn't happen. And I would like to welcome all of our new Patreon supporters. We've had quite a few new additions to the family lately, and we truly appreciate your membership and your support. Yes. Thank you so much for participating. And we welcome your participation in the family. Go ahead, speak up, share, be vulnerable, be open, and throw whatever you want in the pile of us. Exactly. I would also like to thank our editor, Kimberly Joy Voice, who manages our podcast editing and posting for us. She's just the best. We're going to fire this out to her as soon as it's done recording, and she's going to lickety split, whip it together, and get it all ready to air so that everything goes up on time. And if you would like her to help you out as well, her email is KimberlyJoyVoice at gmail.com, and she'll be happy to help. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to follow Jay or myself individually, we also do stuff on our individual channels, which we invite you to share. Jay on Instagram is at Jason underscore Maledsky. And I, you can find all of my stuff at my website, MelanieCurtis.com. So right on team, let's do this. Let's dive in. Today, we're talking about celebrations of life. We're talking about funerals and memorials. We just kind of want to dive in a bit deeper on this topic. Heavy topic, right? Yeah. Typically Mm -hmm. a heavy topic because of the emotional experience related to grieving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Let me ask, what was your first experience, if you don't mind, if you're willing to share with a, with a, a funeral memorial or a celebration of life? That's a good question. What was it? I think it was my grandfather, my mom's father. I remember my family coming over and I didn't, I don't remember feeling sad. I don't remember, really remember understanding what was going on. Um, but looking back, I understood once I got older and understood more about how human beings, at least in our society, process death. And I don't know, makes time and space. Gosh, I don't know. I was in third grade or second grade, I think something like that. Seven or eight years old. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Seven or eight, probably. What about you? Um, my first memorial service, um, was for my father. Mm. I was nine years old and my father, uh, died in the U S in California and my family lived in Toronto, Canada. And so his memorial service was held at a traditional funeral home and there was no casket. There was a remains container Mm -hmm. and I remember it being a a small box Mm -hmm. uh, set up on a, you know, on a table with a photograph of my father from his 20s, if I believe I remember correctly, as as clearly as a nine-year-old brain can recall, a 49-year-old brain, uh, there was a picture of my father. I think it was the picture of him in the Air Force Mm. where he was in his young, in the late teens, early 20s, 
and he had on his uniform and it was a black and white photo and you know the typical static image of a man or person past mm-hmm. you know standing standing there at the front of the room and yeah uh, it was a pretty um like as a first experience for me, it was very confusing. Mm. Didn't really understand what was happening or why it was happening as a child. Uh, and I remember a lot of the people, especially my grandmother, was was wailing. Mm. You know, she was wailing, and my uncles had her by the shoulders. You know, because she couldn't like hold her own weight up; she would just collapse to the ground oh, and wail. God. So I remember this very emotional. Uh, you know, huge outpouring of grief. Mm-hmm. And it was very scary for me as a child to see and my grandmother in such a distraught state and how there was all this r- tension in the air of people being silent and others being very loud mm. and how those those contrasts right you know were so poignant where you know people being loud in a room where other people are being normal volumed or more right. loud it's less contrasted but when it's a, such a silent space and then there's these huge expressions of of grief it was i mean it, it scared the crap out of me oh i believe it yeah, yeah makes sense yeah, yeah. wow I mean, what I know, you kind of brought this topic to the table. I'm curious why, like, what what motivated it, or what was the inspiration behind wanting to talk about this today? Well, I'm involved in the organization of Jimmy's mm. Celebration of Life, yeah. and the event it has always been a celebration of of life for all the participants who are attending, and a celebration of all the of our friends and who are no longer with us. Yeah. So that particular event, uh, is one that's been happening since, since 2014. And, you know, this time around the actual, the hit, the lead man, the head guy who put it all together has become one of the people that's being celebrated. Mm. And I, I thought it would be an interesting conversation to compare the, polarity of the traditional box funeral mm-hmm. versus a celebration of life and how there's all these versions in between and every culture has their own version of how to relate to death mm-hmm. um but I, I wanted to talk about our own experiences and how it, it has affected us uh, affected us each emotionally how we approach those things i know there's been a lot of passings in our community in the last few weeks a yeah. couple months quite a few people have passed on mm-hmm. in a variety of different friends groups families so i thought it would be a pretty poignant topic for a lot of people to relate yeah, to yeah i'm actually going to a funeral service tomorrow yeah which is on you, I didn't even wasn't even thinking of that when you suggested this topic, but yeah, oh gosh, it's it's interesting the difference when it's a shocking passing versus one that is maybe an older person that you kind of know is gonna go soon. Not that that it's it changes the grief or anything like that, but it's almost like there's grieving that's done ahead of time, so there can be a higher potent potency of the emotion. I I think I, maybe not for some. I don't know. With that shock, you know, the shock of someone leaving us earlier than you would have thought from this plane. That is. It's always that. I mean, I think there's a huge piece of that, right? Like when we're prepared, more prepared, if somebody's is aging or ill, and there's an obvious direction that's occurring towards that end of life, it, it's always, you know, time is the is the big thing, right? Like we, it, it takes time for us to process these experiences. And 
you know, things, things that are quite sudden that jump up out of nowhere, accidents, you know, unexpected passings. Yeah. They, they tend to rock us a little bit yeah. harder, you know, uh, than because we all know life ends, you know, mm-hmm. uh, life begins, life ends. And that's just how it works. So we're, I think it's a little easier to stomach it. You know, when grandma or grandpa passes at the end of a long, full life, it, it just doesn't seem as tragic as when people, like, you know, just dis- disappear midstream kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's the sort of intellectual part of it. You know what I mean? Where if an attachment is deep and strong, it can feel just as agonizing, even if it's expected. The only reason I say that is because I'm thinking about my own gram where it, it still feels like an open wound for me that she's yeah. not here in this this plane, even though I feel her with me. But yeah, that was not, that was really hard, even though it made sense at the time. You know what I mean? Don't you think, um, I mean, so just to, you know, continue wandering around this topic, exploring it. Yeah. Um, I've had this experience at least for myself and tell me how you relate. We have the people that are close to us, um, mother, father, sister, brother, immediate family, people that we've had a, you know, a bonded relationship with, um, you know, for positive or not, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and those tend to be no matter what a, a, when somebody leaves who's close to us or has been close to us for a long period of time, it's there's a pretty solid shake, you know, like we're we're mm-hmm. shaken. We have, we're, you know, it, it rocks us in whether it's a positive or a negative way, mm-hmm. you know, it, it upsets our reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people that we have less intimate bonds with people we may have met in passing we don't know that well or haven't had a great influence on our lives they don't we don't tend to have that same emotional Mm -hmm. you know upset that occurs but there's a surprising thing that i've seen which is sometimes there's people we've had very little connection with who we find ourselves very upset when they pass Mm -hmm. and I have just a curiosity that I just have noticed in my own life experience that, you know, sometimes a friend or a family member passes on and there's a a sadness, you know, there's a, a sense of loss, uh, a space that's left behind by that was filled by that person. And, you know, our our emotional relationship to that, that is really hard to um, anticipate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, gosh, if I'm thinking about the different versions of honoring people after they pass, one of the, one of the things I immediately think of is Jonathan's funeral and how I was one of the people to get up and speak and how I was, oh, I could cry thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it was really hard for me to feel like I could ever do him any justice. Like I was like, oh God, nothing I could ever say, nothing I could ever, you know, it's like terrified that it wasn't going to be good enough, you know? And uh, of course, knowing that just getting up there and showing up at all was all that mattered. You know, that was the brave part. And uh, I feel very brave that I did that. And I feel like I honored my friend. Um, But that was one of the hardest things I've ever done was getting up to speak at his funeral because of how much I love, love him. Excuse me. I'm really tired today. So I'm more emotional. (laughs) You're more beautiful today than ever. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and um, then the other way that we honored him was we did an ash dive in Dubai where he really, he was living at the time of his death and he loved it there. He really loved it there. 
And so we wanted to honor him by doing something at the world world meet in 2012. And it was, we did this awesome canopy flock where I carried his ashes and got to release them over the palm and just do this beautiful with his teammates flocking behind me and him. And that was wonderful. You know what I mean? That was a much less, even though I was like, I was jumping this, I was jumping Billy's gear that wasn't even my gear, but I felt totally fine and safe jumping it. I was like, couldn't get the removable slider off. It was flapping all around and slowing me down. I was like all this kind of little stuff that kind of went wrong at quote unquote, but none of it, none of it phased me. I, I totally was just like, it was a much more interestingly positive, not that his, his funeral and celebration of life in the funeral sense wasn't positive. Cause it was at that time when I was more in my high potency of grief and felt that pressure like I just described. Whereas for some reason, I didn't feel that same pressure on this skydive. I was like, they're going to have to just follow us. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I'm going to go straight. I'm going to do the plan. But you know what? They're just going to have to follow us. And that's it. And, uh, and it was really wonderful. I released him over the palm and, and I have this incredible image of him. It, it like his, the puff of his ashes over the palm, over the city of Dubai with my arms. And cause it's like from my GoPro, from my vantage point, it's just like, I've, I've shared it like once in with a specific kind of group of people that I was, but I haven't sh shared it publicly really at all. I haven't posted it online or anything like that. It feels like, I don't know, just very private, but it's this really wonderful image that makes me really happy that it, it exists. Like that helps me remember that moment. Not that I don't, I think I would forget it, but that felt really honoring. And I mean, this is kind of weird and gross. I don't know if people will understand this, but when you're <laughs> releasing ashes in flight, it flies all over the place. It almost always gets all over you. And so one of the also the funny things was <laughs> he was like on me in my shirt in my like bra like all over me because it just you know and it was just a really funny thing at the end of the day where I was like all right let's um <laughs> just kind of having a laugh with him as I you know took a shower and like and sort of we just had that funny, like, final moment. Not that it's final, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a vastly different expression of how to celebrate. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, this is, this is kind of why I wanted to have this conversation is, at least in my life experience so far, the culture that... I was born into in North America has this very structured approach to death as being a finality. It's final. It's painful. Yeah. It's um something we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. Um it 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 is it wrapped in like a cloak of darkness. Um and these are all personal impressions, right? These yep. are just my own, what I encountered. And in the skydiving world and the base jumping world, it doesn't, we don't, we don't do that yeah. really, you know? Yeah. Like there's this like, okay, well, if our families need to have a, you know, typical religious or traditional style funeral or memorial we tend to go okay we'll we'll follow through with a cultural tradition and we'll perform that but then we're also going to celebrate yeah 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 mm -hmm. and then there's all the different ways and the one that you're describing here with jonathan it's, it's incredibly honoring right you're getting yeah. a group of uh, somebody's best friends family together taking their remains going to one of their very favorite places which in our circumstances is the sky itself right and freeing 
though it's the ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you know, truth of who we are is that we come from nothing and we go back to nothing and releasing that, you know, those remains and that energy into the sky to truly, you know, fly free. Yeah. It's a, it's a term we hear a lot in our cultures, which is fly free. Um, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful freeing of energy where like it really just like sets it free and like, let's, let's, let's be free of this thing that we're holding, which is an, an attachment, right? It's an yeah. idea and let's, let's just go like, yeah, and just send it into the, into the ether. Yeah. And another thing just to point out about that experience with Jonathan's celebration is that it. It, we also, in at least in the Sky family, this is pretty typical, but this we did this both in both instances for Jonathan, where we got T-shirts made and everyone was a part of it. We organized multiple jumps at Skydive Elsinore as well. So we did multiple things. And uh, in Dubai, it was really great. Like there was another series of T-shirts. They were bright and yellow and bold and beautiful and, you know, I'm sure you remember. And, <laughs> you know, and it was just wonderful with his family was there. And it just felt really good to be together honoring him in a celebratory way. Like it really, I think those things are very important, those types of rituals, so that it's not just grief and pain, so that there is a, an actual punctuation mark and ha- a highlighter on the beautiful wonderfulness of the, this person we love so much, who, whomever it might be. Did you get one of those patches with the snaps like that we made, which had the JT on them? And it was made out of webbing and it had some snaps. So you could put it on the die, get a little yeah. of your rig so that <laughs> he would come with you on every jump. Yeah. 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 I think those are awesome. Yeah, I totally. My, I've got a couple of them on my rigs and they just become part of my equipment. You know, it's just yeah. there all the time, you know? Yeah. That's great. Well, I want to talk about something else that's an interesting, you know, there's some light, some, there's always heaviness and lighthearted mixed together in this whole grief experience and all this whole life experience, let's be honest, yeah, right? Yes. So the whole life thing doesn't change, right? When it ends, it's still just as hilarious and just as painful every step of the way. So we have this very classic um, phrase that's been used within the sky community for decades, which is blue skies, black death. Mm -hmm. And it is generally embodied in kind of an old school way. I've seen it going back as far. Now, now I would love if anybody who has more historical accuracy would chime in anywhere in comments on Instagram or send us a personal message and give us more detail of where the roots of the blue skies, black death comes from, but it's been represented with a a skeleton wearing a skydiving rig. And it's in, it's in a context of saying blue skies, like the, 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 the incredibleness of the open blue sky and the reality that we're all going to die are intertwined and unavoidable. And both of them are beautiful. And in as heavy as and how as, as emotional as passing and dying can be, black death. Mm-hmm. It's contrasted by the blue sky and the same richness of emotion. Of, of fantastic celebration that can only be realized with those polarizations, with those perspectives of each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, I agree with that completely. It is so fascinatingly true in my life experience that that, that, that yin yang, that polarity of like the high, high highs and the low, low lows seem to be present. You know, it's just like, whoa, man. Yeah. Anyway, you have more to say, please go on. Oh, I was really just 
I've seen, I think in the younger generations, skydiving has changed a lot over the years. And the Blue Skies Black Death, um, BSBD, you know, acronym has kind of, it's not as forward in the culture as it used to be. It used to be very poignant, like it was kind of pushed front and center kind of like the harley davidson culture live free or die right kind of like this is who we are this is what we do and this is why we do it and it is still true to this day there's nothing has changed about it like we we go into the sky and we push our lives to the limit or past and we accept that sometimes they go past the limit and that the inevitable outcome of that is death mm-hmm. and but it's worth the risk which is the same thing as that live free or die kind of idea of the harley davidson or the motorcycle culture of like look we're not gonna not live our lives because we're afraid of crashing our bikes we're not gonna not live our lives because we're afraid that our parachute might not open mm-hmm. actually we're going to go and do this to make sure that we're living our lives. And we know that at some point the parachute's not going to open or the bike's going to crash or that we're just going to die. And yeah. in the meantime, we want to celebrate. And so I just wanted to kind of put a put a circle around that and highlight it for any younger generations that might be missing out on the value of of the Blue Skies Black Death yeah. motto, you know, yeah. and give well, it some also- life. Something yeah. to acknowledge the realities yeah. of that. You know what I mean? It's that's a different conversation, but yeah, to acknowledge the realities, the harsh realities, in a way prepares us more for when the those inevitabilities do come forth. And it's just sort of dovetailing off of what you shared in the last Walking Each Other Home episode about Jimmy and how you felt more prepared. You felt that's like part of your experience this time around. Um, anyway, go ahead. No, I'm really just, you know, in the curiosity space and just, just exploring. So, well, I'm curious about something, actually, the difference you wanted to look at the difference between celebration of life, funeral, memorial, what, what do you see as the difference between a memorial and funeral? Like, I don't know necessarily what those distinctions might be. Well, I was talking to a friend of mine. <laughs> Excuse me for a second, because <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to a good friend of mine, Danny Wheeland, the other day, and we were relating uh, just about Jimmy's passing mm-hmm. and and talking about JVH, which was a huge uh, figure in his life. It was, you know, like a father figure to him. And when he passed, it was a big deal. And he was really, really broken up. And he told me that he went, um, I I think it was with Jimmy. I may be wrong in quoting this, but he went to JVH's funeral. Uh Uh-huh in drag oh. because <laughs> JVH, because he was honoring JVH yes. JVH loved to show up in drag but <laughs> he never did that any other part of his life <laughs> <laughs> so they basically just were like the two dudes showing up at the funeral and being like hey what's up uh, <laughs> like <laughs> in like the traditional <laughs> family funeral and there's a couple of weirdo friends in like that's a sitcom or a romantic comedy if i ever heard it (laughs) totally wedding crashers type exactly yeah funeral crashers (laughs) oh oh there's gotta be there's some such good comedy in it oh there definitely is i mean god the black dark humor that is a chronic constant you know, but it, that's part of a funeral and part of a memorial or a celebration of life is you're talking about memories, you're sharing memories and stupid shit you did and funny stories and all good, you know, deep and meaningful stories too. But there's a lot of laughs at funerals too, in my experience, by through that storytelling and through that sharing of, oh, remember when they did this or that or this, you know? So I'll have to be honest here. I've, I went to two 
funerals early on in my life, both of my parents, right? Mm-hmm. And I was still a child of both of them, nine and 12 years old. And that was it. After my mom's funeral, I was like, uh-uh. Oh. I, I'm not going to mm. another one of these, like the traditional put on a suit and tie, stand there somber and, you know, listen to somebody that you, you know try their best to memorialize i could i could i was i had such pain like my own personal trauma related to my relationship to losing people meant that i couldn't enter that space again yeah i couldn't go makes sense and i have never been to another funeral or memorial service in the traditional like funeral home setting for the rest of my life since then um i i I apologize to my grandparents when they passed because i couldn't do it yeah i just couldn't do it there was no way Mm -hmm. i was like my family came knock like hey you're coming or what and i'm like I think that speaks to a very important point that grief is very personal. And I think people really do need to do what's right for them. I believe in that very strongly as it relates. I believe very strongly in showing up when I can. And I say I because this is, again, my personal feeling. I feel convicted around that. But for example, when Jim Hickey passed, I was just devastated and I could not go. I was like, Jim will understand. He knows I love him. I love him. It is it is too much for me right now because of all the other things I had in my life. And I was just so in such a grief-stricken state that the right thing for me to do in that case was to grieve him in my own way away from that service. Yeah. I think for me, there's something in that same sense of like, if it's a traumatizing experience, that it's not going to be a healing experience. It's yeah. only going to be more triggering or more damaging. It's going to just like open up a wound that isn't healed kind of thing. Yeah. Then I haven't like personally, I haven't been able to like reapproach that. I've been to plenty of celebrations of life. I've yeah. been on multiple ash dives, um, lots of different ways of celebrating the passing of friends and loved ones. Um, but I've never been able to, to get myself to, you know, kind of walk into that space or re-enter that space that was so painful for me as a young person. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. I'm going to switch it up. Yeah. That was kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the story of my worst skydive ever okay 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 uh so i may have told this story before actually i've told this story many many times before yeah i have told the story to groups of people in different settings and it you have to understand the context um the fellow who had passed his name was wes harberts he was a popular uh, common popular skydiver at uh, Skydive Arizona in the time when I lived there around the year 2000, uh, local, and he eventually opened up a drop zone in Skydive Tahoe and operated a plane there and did skydiving and he brought an aircraft out to Burning Man and he uh, set up camp at Burning Man and he was a lively fellow, loved to party, liked to have a good time, was always getting into trouble And he uh, went in on a skydive at his drop zone. He rode in a spinning malfunction, Mm. right? He did not cut away from a malfunction parachute and rode it all the way to impact. And and from what I've been told, he was kicking and screaming the whole time, Mm. just, you know, going down fighting kind of thing, but never never got rid of it or Mm. couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. Didn't get a reserve out. Anyways. I was at Burning Man. This is a celebration of life story. I was invited. Asia, if you're listening, thank you for the invite. And I hope you appreciate my interpretation of this story. (laughs) Asia, his partner, invited me to participate in an ash dive for Wes. Mm -hmm. And she was pulling together a group of people to get together on a load. It's uh, the 
we had a pack 750 takes about 13 to 15 jumpers depending on what altitude you're at kind of thing so i think we were putting together a 13 way and asia had asked me to be involved i didn't really want to be on this jump i had other things on my mind wes and i had kind of an embattled relationship like he was a friend but we weren't really close mm-hmm. and he kind of rubbed each other wrong a couple times and we're like i don't know if i'm the guy to be on this dive or not but <laughs> right i'm one of the more experienced people here so i'll go ahead and go on the dive and yeah okay and then you know the group's pulling together and there's a few other key friends um harley uh jack harley Payne, jackson's dad was one of the people on there uh, jason jay bird was on there um asia herself and then a, f- a few other people were being gathered and it turns out I'm the most experienced jumper and the group really needs some organization. So I end up starting to like, okay, well, why don't you guys be the base and be, you know, guiding the dive and figure out who should go where and having been on ash dives before, you know, it requires certain poise and preparation and mm-hmm. it's, it's emotional and there's complications about opening the bags and deploying and the things. So everything's running behind schedule uh it's getting dragged out about an hour and a half later than it's supposed to be and it's running up against sunset and we are operating on a runway with no lights so we have to be done before we get to a certain legal uh twilight Mm -hmm. and the pilot of the aircraft is ray farrell and he was getting antsy and getting irritated because we're running up against his time limit yeah and he didn't want to be flying in the dark and by the time we finally get out to the airport, it's a long shuttle out there. Everybody's making their way to the plane. Um, everybody's getting on board, getting ready. It's all way behind. And Ray, he, he yells back and he's in a pissy mood. He's like, somebody is lagging. Somebody's way behind, right? They're uh. way behind. And trying to get to the plane. Ray's like, tell that MF to hurry the fuck up, you know? <laughs> right. And I'm like whoa 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 this is a memorial dive this is an ash (laughs) dive we could relax a little bit and the guy you're yelling at is a double amputee oh gosh it takes him time to get here because he doesn't have any legs oh my god right so there's this humor of like it's a shit show to begin with yeah things are running freaking out everybody's freaking out Yeah, high intensity And people are hungover or altered because they've been having a day or whatever. And we take off and we start climbing altitude and Ray hollers back. You might not get full altitude. We're running out of daylight. And I'm like, well, we're doing an ash dive. We need enough altitude to put together a 13-way and deploy an ash bag and separate and everything. And so we're at about 7,000 feet. He yells, jump run. Whoa. Uh Uh-huh. So that's a pretty short exit altitude for a formation skydiving pass for a group that big, especially Mm -hmm. a hodgepodge out of a small door aircraft. Mm -hmm. I was going last. I was sitting next to Ray to be communicator, and I know I can dive fast and get to the group fast, and we had some people in the base. Anyways, about 7,500 feet, exit, exit, exit. People start piling out. Whoever is second to last trips and falls flat on their face in the door oh and ha- hammers God. the floor, <gasps> like just slams into the floor of the aircraft. And I'm and I'm right behind them. I'm like, shake my head. I'm like, oh shit. And I just dive over top of them oh out the door. God. I'm like, just get out of this airplane. And I dive out the door looking for, since I'm not last diver, I should be seeing like a three to five, maybe a six way. Yeah, something. But something ahead of me. Yep. I see. 11 one ways <laughs> there are 11 people around the sky one, one, all over one the ways. place 11 one ways right so there's 11 <laughs> people in all different levels everywhere and suddenly something goes whoosh past me and i'm like what the hell and then i look up behind me and the plane's diving and the last person has gotten out and i look and i'm like where is asia and where's harley and i like zoom down and i grab harley and i like drag her dragging him towards asia and like closing a three-way group and um i believe asia had the bag yeah and then i'm looking at her and i'm like open the bag and then i look at my altimeter and we're at 2500 feet oh my god exactly right and nobody everybody's building (gasps) there's people coming from everywhere building 
it's a it's a oh my god it's the worst skydive of my life oh my god but i believe you I, it's 2500 feet now getting it why it is in the mid middle everybody's still encroaching oh we have not released an ash bag <gasps> And it's break off time, and it is a it is like we need to be pulling parachutes, meow meow meow. Oh my and god! And I just look around and just drop a pilot chute. Good I'm for like, you. This is over. I am sending the game over signal, and I drop a pilot chute. I'm the highest one open at about twenty two hundred feet. Oh my god! And I'm on my velo seventy nine, and we're wherever somewhere over Burning Man. And I'm just like furiously mad. I'm like, I didn't <sighs> want to go on this skydive in the first place. Oh right? my god! I just and I'm like, God, <laughs> fuck. For those people listening that are not skydivers, I just want to make sure you understand why I am like, oh my god. Yeah. Jay is describing something that is incredibly low and dangerous for that yeah. size of a group. And it's a great story of links in the chain. This link, this link, this link, and it goes into something, can turn into something really bad. It's lucky that, did anyone get actually hurt on that jump? No. So everybody who was alive on that jump landed safely. Nice. Good. Wes, lessons learned. Oh no, Wes. Wes Harbert, who was in the bag, who was supposed to be released into the sky, went in a second time. Oh my God. Are you fucking serious? Wes, who loved chaos and headless, the kind of guy who liked to skydive on acid. Oh my God. Went in at Burning Man the second time there it is that's appropriate there you go wow and i i just laughed because i when we opened and i saw this i saw the baggie go by and i'm like oh you gotta be fucking kidding into the desert floor and i'm just like whatever this is ridiculous well and i think that also speaks to something about like it's very difficult for things i think about myself being like oh my god i'm so so distraught over saying the wrong thing at jonathan's thing but that's my <laughs> the youth of myself at that time like not getting that fuck shit happens yeah. and it's not going to be perfect it's going to be super messy and it's like that releasing, that surrendering to however the honoring sort of comes to pass is also healing, is also part of the healing, I think, is just to be like surrendering to... The chaos? The, yeah, the well... Perfect, the, the perfect synchronicity? Well, letting go of that that intensity of the finality, you know what I mean? That super heavy part of like, oh heavy so heavy this is the last chance you're ever going to be able to do anything you know like it's so heavy when it's just false it's not even close to the last i've honored jonathan countless times i've written about him a bunch of times i've told stories i'm talking about him today he influences my decisions in in amazing beautiful ways like he he's there's no i'm constantly honoring him and i'm just using him as an example because i've talked about him the most today but like it doesn't have to be that heavy. I think that's something that I've learned as a young, as a person maturing through my experiences of these perceptible losses, that it doesn't have to be so heavy, you know? It doesn't. Let me close that story by the key piece at the end there is that uh, the rules at Burning Man are you're not allowed to land in the city. You have to land outside the city, right? Unfortunately, that the bag went in outside the city oh. didn't create anything dangerous to anybody i personally was pissed turned and headed straight for camp and broke all the rules because <laughs> i don't follow rules very well <laughs> first time for that i don't know i don't follow rules well so i did a big swoop you know and i did a big diving turn and i swooped across all the city and through everything and then i popped up and i landed right next to our camp right in the intersection in the middle of town Jonathan style, oh. Jay style, <laughs> and I yes. put it down right where I'm like I'm I'm the best there is at this. I'm gonna put it right where I want. Put it right down, and I got hugged by two naked girls. Somebody <laughs> handed me a martini, <laughs> and there's and then the next thing I hear from across the, the like across the camp is 
Brian Burke over there going, you're fucking grounded. You'll never <laughs> jump here again. I'm just like, you have no idea what I just went through. <laughs> <laughs> and the irony of it all. Oh, my God. Like, oh, God. Insane. It's, you know, hey, at least you tried. You know, I think about that story and I'm like, Asia, she was doing her best oh to, God, honor, to honor him. You know what I mean? She's asking you, maybe doesn't know the, the details, the situation, the vibe between you guys, you know? And that just speaks volumes of, of how different one's experience with these celebrations of life, with organizing them. I mean, God, again, I think I, I think of you mentioned organizing, and I organized the formation skydive where we did Jonathan's letters to JT in the sky. Uh, and I, beautiful. Yeah, it came out amazing. And it's funny because... <laughs> like some of the best skydivers in the world, if not the best skydivers in the world are on this jump. And you <laughs> so just so I want everyone to hear this because it's totally dope. I'm actually totally proud of this moment in my life. Um, but I knew uh, the not so good people on the jump too. And I knew where in order to, I knew where to put them in order so that it could be controlled so that yeah. these people that were not necessarily as good that I couldn't trust to necessarily be there were going to fucking be there. And so one of the best guys in the world was like, no, no, let's just do it like this. Just free flight. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I told the, one of the best guys in the world. I'm like, no, we're doing it this way. <laughs> the, this, these grips, this person here that no, like, it was awesome. And he stepped back and he was like, got it. <laughs> and it was great. It was a moment of respect and a moment of, of ownership. But you know, of that was a bit of my needing to control that piece of the celebration as well. So it's that that elevated emotion, that high potency of response, all those kinds of things. I did an ash dive a couple years ago with um, my good friend Shane Dunn. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were on the troll spire it's one of the most iconic uh, base jumps in the world cool. uh, it's referred it's the spirit in in norwegian it's the spirit like the the spire of the church oh cool you know so it is it is the church itself like the locals look at that and they're like that is the temple you know and and it stands this little tiny tiny thing and it is incredibly terrifying to climb up on it because there's just this little rock pile that's <sighs> over five thousand feet up you know dangling in space oh my god so it's really treacherous and you have to walk out on this little tiny rock and the whole thing is the first time you ever go there it's just gut-wrenching and i went there with shane and um my and we he surprised me he didn't tell me we get there and he and he pulls out two hands and and i'm like what's in your hands and he opens one hand and there's a bag of ashes uh-huh he opens the other hand and there's a couple little hits of paper a couple of oh, squares of paper God. and i'm like He's like, this is Ted, and this is Ted's acid, and we're going to take this and this with us on this jump. And I'm <laughs> oh, like, man. What? Oh, crap. Oh, my God. A so, as you're out on the edge. So, like, we're, ge we're, like, we're geared up, and we're about to walk to the edge, and so it's literally, like, rip a strip the piece of acid in half, put, a put, put each of it, put some on our tongue, pour the ashes in our hands, and then do our count and launch off the side and fly next to each other, uh, you know, celebrating and cheering. And it's a long, it's a minute long yeah, jump. It's huge. Yeah. You know, you're just, ah! and partway through the jump, you open your hands yeah. and let the ashes go. That's cool. And at the same time, feel the acid start to kick in. <laughs> and the, then parachute opens with the hardest 180 hey, <laughs> oh hey ted God. hey ted showing up to just give a little spank in the ass you know <laughs> and go have a beautiful landing and spend the afternoon in the meadow by the river just oh. enjoying life and nature and Man. the best of times you know yeah let's celebrate yeah god i'm so i'm really i'm so i'm really in the camp of do what you need you know what yeah. i mean like it doesn't bother me in the slightest to show up. And I obviously have different experiences. I don't have the traumatic experiences in my youth that you do about 
kind of traditional services. I certainly don't enjoy them. I don't like them, but I feel good about showing up if a person wants to have that, if Agreed. I can, you know, and supporting the the living. Like, I feel like a big reason we do this is to support the people closest to the person who has gone and sometimes that's us and we're the ones being supported and sometimes we are the ones doing the supporting of the person who is most affected and most in in pain absolutely the whole grieving process is a pretty like you said it's it's deeply personal right for sure i, I know my own experience with my father took me 20 25 years to come to terms with yeah. and I was I, my, my mom literally was like 25 years later mm. I'm like I think I'm good with this now yeah like 25 years later so yeah. if you've had a passing in your life and you're still feeling rocked by it it's okay it's okay yeah it's okay it takes some time it takes time for sure yeah, yeah and who knows I think some people subscribe to the that it's never gone, that it's never healed. And that's okay, too. Maybe it heals in a different life. Maybe. Yeah, who knows? I don't know the answer to that at all. I just know that if, if there's still grief there, that's normal. And if this at the same time because I think some people also can feel almost guilty when their grief subsides when they're happy again when they're not feeling sad there can be some guilt over that that's like if I loved them enough I would feel bad longer or something like that especially in a partnership right yeah if if, if the partner or loved one a, a married couple uh you know something somewhere where you're like oh this is my my other half yeah kind of thing when is it okay then to be whole yeah again exactly or to, right. to, or to then also have room to allow other people into your life 100%. in whatever capacity that means you know and that that same thing i'm mean, like for me the you know losing my dad then when am i going to allow somebody else to be like a father figure to me yeah. kind of thing that same thing it's like maybe not for a very long time mm-hmm. you know because i'm like that that space is still being held by that person even though they're gone yeah um, and it's not until you know come to an agreement or an easement within ourselves that that space is always going to be held by that person and it's never going to be gone yeah. Uh, or that we come to a peace with it, you know, and then there's room for others to, or, or not, or yeah. not, whatever our personal journey is. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of a minor detail, seemingly minor detail, but it's it's another thing that sort of touches this conversation uh, is the typical thing of creating photo montages and video on videos honoring the people and trying to I remember and and again I'm only using Jonathan because it was one of the more significant experiences in my life where I was sort of in charge of a lot of stuff and uh and one of the most affected and anyway I remember being like grateful to have that to have a job to do that I could channel my energy into and at the same time, fearing, am I going to leave someone out? Or is it not going to be good enough? Like constant sort of judgments around fears around that type of thing. And it's like I wasn't giving myself the grace that I would give everyone else 10, 15, 100 fold. You know what I mean? The whole total non judgment of it's do what you need to do. And it's all going to be perfect. It's all going to be messy. It's all, you know, some beautiful, perfect organic moments will happen, but you don't just don't know that. And when you're not as experienced, you know, and so back then I didn't have access to that. But now I, I would hope that I would have access to a bit more grace for myself. And allow allow that you know what I mean and I hope that in sharing that people listening if you're in that experience I hope you 
consider or at least attempt to give yourself more grace. That's a really powerful sentiment. And I completely agree with you 100%. It's so important to remember that though there's no finality to anything, right? Like, uh, we're going to have dinner conversations where we bring up our past friends and loved yeah. ones and talk about the <laughs> yeah. memories or the stupid things or their pain in the ass parts of them <laughs> or whatever it is. And those are going to go on well beyond a, a funeral, a memorial, a For celebration sure. of life. They're not only going to happen in this, you know, container that we're creating specifically to serve that purpose, you know, that, and those containers are, are powerful, right? Like, they're an emotionally safe space. They're exactly what we talk about all the time of trying to create for ourselves is like, okay, we're going to create an emotionally safe space specifically to allow grief, joy, connection, you know, remembrance, all the different things that are related to uh, our connections to a person to occur in those environments in a way where they're they are being held and mm -hmm. we are holding that space for each other and so i think it's a great reminder for, for just for me to tell myself yeah you know, like yeah i love I, this is a, one thing i want to make sure i say before the end and just this came up and again jonathan being the example to today that i'm using I just gave a like talk, a led a session for the UK Skydive the Expo conference. And I talked a lot about mentorship and, you know, the whole life lessons from a professional skydiver thing. Anyway, a big part of that talk, I talked about Jonathan and his influence on me as a mentor and as as a friend and with encouragement and stuff like that. But I normally think to myself when I'm considering sharing about him, I I think to myself how I have to work in that he's dead. And I was like, didn't this time I was like, I don't need to share that he's dead. People figure it out if they not but that's that's not a necessary point in this part of what I'm sharing. I'm sharing about mentorship and encouragement and sponsorship and stuff that he helped me with and friendship. And it and it didn't actually fit to share that he had died. So I didn't. And that was a first for me where I was like, I don't actually need to, I can share about this other cool thread in our friendship that is, you know, part of him, his living on through me and through my sharing. But it was cool. It was like a cool thing where I was like, oh, cool. I don't actually need to always talk about how he's not here anymore. That, that's really powerful. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we think about most of our influential persons in history, I mean, we know that they're not, we know Martin Luther King isn't here anymore. Right, right. But totally. his words yeah. are even more impactful now that he's, that he's gone. And you don't have to say, you know, the deceased or right, past right, or whatever. Right. You can, you can just say the words yeah. or, or quote the intention or reference the value, uh, the experience, any of that. It doesn't have to be. That's great. That's yeah, it was job, cool. Bro. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting evolution. You know, it is this this relationship to those that are not in this world anymore. You know what I mean? Those that are physically gone. But I'm going to try I'm going to intentionally try that in the context of when people or when a certain you know if if the context of a share was to say, oh yeah, well my friend Ted always does this, right? You know, uh, and just leave it like that. Yeah, just leave yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. that's great. Totally. Carry them, keep them here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love yeah and that. it felt honest. You know what I mean? It didn't like whereas historically it would have felt like, oh, I'm not sharing this big thing, and if people Hiding find it. out that I'm not sharing this big thing, they'll be like, whoa, why didn't she share this big thing? But then I was like, no. It's just I don't need to share that thing right right now. It's, it's all good. <laughs> Any other final thoughts, my friend? Final finality. This is the last time <laughs> that I have chance. to share a thought about something. <laughs> the last chance you're ever going to get chance. to share. 
Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll share something else, actually. <laughs> like, last week, we had a memorial for Jimmy. Mm-hmm. We went out to the landing area for the jump, and we got a permit, and we uh, dug a hole, and we had a memorial burn, and we released some of his belongings back into the world of energy. Cool. And we had some silence, and we had some crying, and we had some laughing and we had some connecting and we had all those things and it was a small little group and I was challenged by it. Mm. I was angry. Uh. That morning I woke up wrong side of the bed just super frustrated and wanting to be short-tempered with everybody and like my emotional state was really charged and I actually went, you know, to, to Julie and to explain that i'm like hey i'm like i'm i'm really irritable right now yeah because I'm, I'm sensing my level of irritability is incredibly high and i don't want to just bite somebody's head off or bark at somebody because i'm feeling challenged i'm going to express that i'm feeling challenged and let everybody know that so that then i can help figure my way through that love it and the I was challenged because I'm going to have to now relive a bunch of this emotional trauma yeah. that has to do with this. And and so it was part of the catalyst of what I, why I wanted to talk about this mm. show is that we know going to a memorial funeral or a celebration of life or a dash dive or whatever, a right. dinner, anytime that we're going to go and we're going to put the topic of a lost loved one cared for one important person mm-hmm. on the table as a hey, this is why we are here it means we're going to open up that wound mm-hmm. and we're going to be in it yeah and that's scary you know like it made it came out as irritability and anger yep. in my situation but it can come out in any number of ways any any emotion is yep. going to can possibly be the way that it gets expressed but it's it's uncomfortable, painful, scary, challenging. Pick a word, any word to describe. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Because it just isn't a fun idea to go like, let's go clean out that wound. I don't know about you, but when I'm hurt, the idea of cleaning my wound doesn't, doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel good. Yeah. But afterwards, the th- this is the key thing, right? Like, yeah, I'm not excited about peroxide and a scrub brush in my open wound. That's a, that's going to hurt like, you know, yep. but the end result is I'm going to heal Yes, because of it. We are going yes. to heal through these actions that we take together. So I wanted to leave this connective encouragement to embracing the suck opening up the emotional spaces, letting each other know that we're not happy about it, that we don't like it, that it's hurting, that it's painful, that we miss each other. We lo- you know, Opening up that vulnerable space, using the connectivity, knowing that it's a vulnerable tr- container for these things mm-hmm. and engaging them with the let's do this together. Let's walk each other home yeah type of approach yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah beautiful beautiful sentiment to to close this one on beautiful yeah thank you everyone for sticking with us through these kinds of conversations you know for everyone listening for being in this in the kind of suck in this topic you know being willing to listen through and hope and hopefully hear insight for yourselves and and the people that you care about that are still around that are maybe in this type of of pain i'd like to thank everybody who has personally reached out over the last few weeks to send messages of of support of appreciation of gratitude for you know the podcast that we've already done to ref, you know, reflect reflecting for 
you know, just reaching out to support me personally. It's been so powerful to constantly know and feel surrounded by love all the time. And just this sense of nurture and being held by such a beautiful, loving community. So I wanted to acknowledge and thank everybody for that. It's really been, yeah, been felt. And I think I'd like to close this and say, thank you to everybody for listening If you would like to support our show, it would be truly appreciated if you would become a Patreon member. You can go to trustthejourney.today, scroll down to the bottom of our webpage, and there's a big red button that says donate now, and jump on Patreon and drop a couple dollars, what you would spend on a coffee, or as much as you would like. It will truly help with the costs and productions of this program, and it will also get you membership into the Trust the Journey family, where we continue to hold that safe yeah. emotional space for everybody to share in. Yeah, I invite we invite you guys who are listening into that space. It's a brave thing to step into a space like that. Just like you're listening to a show like this, it's it's an interesting next step to step into a community where there's engagement happening. So, so yeah, if you're considering it, feel free to reach out. Drop us a personal message if you're unsure. But yeah, we welcome you and and. Uh, just invite you and we know and just want to say that and I know Jay said it but that space is safely held because it is held by us and if you're supporting through financial isn't what you can do please you know share our episodes with other people uh, like and subscribe on any one of the feeds on Patreon or, or sorry on Spotify or iTunes or YouTube follow subscribe make comments like episodes share episodes all of those things really help us to get the word out to others and if you know somebody that might be hurting and could use to hear this episode say yeah, this might help them along pass it along it's, this is how we support each other and really yeah. appreciate that Absolutely. And Instagram is where we're most active on social. So that's trustthejourney.today for the show. Jay is at Jason underscore Maledsky and I am at Melanie Curtis 11. Uh, But yeah, guys, we love you so much. Thank you for everything. Any final thoughts, my friend? That's it. (laughs) Love you. Love you. Thanks for listening.